Hey everyone, welcome to Pit Stops the Podium, the Red Partners podcast, where we talk to execs who competed and won, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brendan Tolleson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Rev Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today, Donald Monaster for this episode of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Donald. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here, man. I can't wait to get started. Likewise. Um, and so just for our audience to have a little background on who Donald is, Donald, you're currently serving as the uh, CEO and president of General Informatics. Um, yeah. And for our audience who may not know who that is, uh, this is your opportunity to give your elevator pitch and maybe yeah. it's a little bit of background on you in terms of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, happy to do that. And, you know, we're an IT provider and I always tell our guys, look, make the elevator pitch easy. And the, the, the uh, our company helps companies with their technology. If you have technology within your office, man, you're a prospect for us. So um, what General Informatics really is, is a 21-year-old business that's kind of behaving like a startup these days because we're growing very, very fast. Uh, we're doing that through acquisition and we're doing that uh, organically as well. Um, but we're an IT services provider. We provide those services as a managed services provider. So if you're looking to contract us, your entire IT support, your entire IT experience, um, we provide it in that manner. So I always tell people, hey, if you're using technology in uh, your business, we can we can help you out. And as far as um, my background, I've been doing IT for my entire career. So I I, I graduated um, I, from a small university, Southeastern Louisiana University here in Louisiana, and um, uh, immediately got involved in IT. And, and my whole my whole process was, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, um, and this PC thing sounds really interesting, so I might want to go figure out something about that, and, and that's how I got into IT, and I've been in it ever since. I started a company in 1993, grew it for um, 15 years, sold it to private equity uh, in 2008, merged with a larger company, eventually became the president of that company, and we sold that company to Ceasefire in 2018. So. Uh, I took a little bit of a break from IT. I still stayed in technology. And then, you know, I was living in Birmingham, Alabama for the last 27 years. And a private equity company out of Dallas called me and said, hey, how'd you like to come back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana and, and, and run another IT company? And I was like, man, I can't, I can't say no to that. So um, that's kind of my background. And, 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 and honestly, everything to date that I've learned is, is really from being around fantastic people and, and, and folks who have invested in me for that matter um, and, and helped, you know, me along and, and learn the things that we needed to learn in order to do the kind of things that we do, the, the high growth, whether it be through acquisition or organically. I love that. And uh, you also have the distinction of the best background of, of any of our guests so far. So congratulations on that. You also have that in, in your, <laughs> in your bio. Uh, well, Donald, thank you for sharing a little bit more about um, your past. And before we get into our big idea, uh, we yeah. do have a tradition here at Pit Stops the Podium, and that's to get to know our guests outside of work. So uh, what are three fun facts that our audience should know about you? Three fun facts. Well, let's see. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of fun facts. I've got four kids um, and they are fantastic. They, um, they range in age from 36 all the way down to 21. So I always say I've got three of them, uh, out of the liability column and into the asset column. I got one more to move. So, um, so, uh, fun fact back in 
1989, I qualified for the Mr. Universe bodybuilding contest. So, um, oh, wow. that most people don't, don't realize that I've done. Uh, and I'm also a third damn degree black belt, um, in a, a rare Japanese martial arts. Uh, in fact, I fought a little bit of MMA, um, for a very short period of time, but, uh, trust me, I have a, a ton of respect for those, those guys and gals who do that because that you wake up in pain just about every single morning. So. <laughs> Well, how do you still keep your, yourself active these days? I still train, uh, you know, pretty much daily. I'm, I'm either lifting or, or doing some sort of martial arts. Um, I find it best for me to do it really early in the morning. I usually get up at four o'clock. I have the same routine. Uh, I get up at four o'clock. I write for 15 minutes. I read for 15 minutes and then I work for 30 and then I'm in the gym and I'm usually <laughs> in the gym for about two hours before the day starts. So, you know, at 8 a.m., when people are kind of, you know, dragging in, I've, I've already been up for four hours and, and wow. excited to be at work, man. Well, I don't, I don't know if any of your uh, four kids are girls, but I'm, I'm sure uh, that first meeting with the uh, boyfriend, with the dad is always a fun conversation based off your background. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. They're like, hey, haven't I seen you on TV? I'm like, yeah, and I was fighting. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't mess with my daughter. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing a little bit more about kind of who you are because um, of the end of the day, we're people we're not just what we do at work so that's always fun to hear uh well donald you talked a little bit about it earlier you know in light of our audience when we talk about high growth to high scale there, there are different ways to, to build your business and of course there's the organic way but at some point um naturally there's interest from outside folks as it relates to you mentioned pe in your background and ultimately acquisition and so i think it would be a really pertinent topic for us to really engage in this idea of in the event that there is acquisition, um, how do you integrate two, you know, two companies well in the midst of that growth or scale phase? And in light of your experience, I think this is a really, um, you can speak into that. So I'm really excited for this time we, we have together. Yeah. So man, it's a, it's a great topic. It's a great question. And, and, you know, private equity is always looking for industries that they can consolidate and, and find synergies and, and, and find a way to really, grow that that company very quickly and um you know my background formally is is in operations and so i wasn't really an it guy i just happened to know it pretty well you know going into uh my career and and being able to fall back on my operational knowledge um was really helpful and i, I really didn't know i was kind of setting myself up for being kind of a a private equity darling so to speak because they recognize hey not only does he have the you know, the technology background, but he also understands how operational workflow works and how you can create a management framework that allows you to scale the business. So you're working on process, um, you're working on operational maturity, you're trying to find ways to standardize the way that you deliver services as opposed to just throwing people, you know, at that whole process. But, you know, the, the thing that you have to do when you take on that kind of challenge is you really have to protect the investment from the very beginning. So usually the way they do this is they buy a platform company that they feel like is doing a fantastic job of, of delivering services. Maybe they differentiate the product a little bit different than someone else. And they feel like they have a real niche, maybe even in, in an industry vertical. And then we start looking for other acquisitions that really create synergies, whether it's additive from a standpoint of services or additive from a standpoint of geography we're looking for those really strategic acquisitions. So it's not just, hey, we go buy anybody that's, that's looking to sell. Um, and then and that first stage, when you start talking to them, the diligence part is probably the most important part 
of really protecting that investment because the more you know about that organization, how you know how deep their relationships are with their customers and their vendors, because that's obviously you have to have vendors to help you provide services to your customers. You know, understanding their whole supply chain and how it works, um, it's really crucial to taking that business to the next level. And one of the things that we always look for is I don't want just a company that, hey, we grew and we made some profit, now we're ready to sell. I want to see a company that is looking to grow even further, but just they don't have the funds maybe, or they've never experienced that kind of scale or that kind of growth. And so we target those types of companies. So we get behind them and fuel them with, with you know, you know, support from a finance perspective, support from a management perspective, and then really grow that organization. Got it. So if I heard you right, it's, you know, you have the, the umbrella or the parent, I think you're describing it in terms of, you know, for one reason or another, it could be um, their position in the market. It could be their process in terms of how they run their operations. It could be the technology, but there's something about them that says, hey, this is the blueprint. And then it relates to Added, I and mean, then you're thinking through growing through acquisition, it's the additive concept of how can we expand our reach, whether it's from a geography or our services or a product line and identifying those companies that have something um, that you can, not only that, that allows or facilitates that, um, yeah. and you're providing the infrastructure from that parent to ultimately drive um, increased um, revenue, it sounds like, through the two organizations. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, I, when, when we do this sort of thing, you know, we don't, you know, jettison the idea of we could organically grow into a territory as well. If we have relationships, if we, if we know that we can go into a territory and capture market share very quickly, that's actually less expensive than going through the acquisition process, but to truly get scale very quickly and find, you know, kind of leverage in that model, because as you can imagine, and I'll, I'll make it easy because as we do these um, acquisitions, you might imagine, well, there's, you know, one company doesn't need four CFOs. So the guys who are being acquired, they, they recognize that maybe a principal, that maybe a CFO, and they're, they're either, hey, I'd like to do something else, or I, look, I'm just going to move on. And, 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 uh, and, and that way you're, you're synergizing the organization and, and making sure that those guys are, are working in kind of their highest and best use. So um, it, it works really. It works really well to do it both organically as well as uh, through acquisition. The real key is, you know, how do you know when when to start that whole integration process, and how do you know, you know, when to integrate and and what to integrate, and that is probably the the most important part of growing through acquisition. Because as you can imagine, as you're integrating processes and procedures, if you buy another company, then it's like, okay, here's a whole nother company that has different processes and different tool sets that they use. So what do we do? How do we do that? And so basically what you have to do is, is break down that whole integration process up into steps. And the first step is communicate. And you almost have to over-communicate to the company that you're acquiring. Typically, the company that is doing the acquiring, they know they're, they're probably involved in many of the conversations. We run a very transparent organization. So when we're looking at someone to, to acquire, um, we typically will let them know, you know, maybe not their name because we're under NDA, but we'll let them know, hey, we're looking this territory. This is the next step for us. But for the guys who typically get acquired, they probably found out maybe one or two weeks before they meet me, like, hey, who is this new guy that's my boss, right? And so 
And so the, the main thing is to communicate, communicate exactly what the plan is. I've been fortunate in that every acquisition I've done has been additive and it's been part of growth. So you're never having that really tough conversation of, hey, we're going to cut 20% of the staff. We, we're always needing more talent. We're always needing more engineers. We're needing more consultants. So um, we always bring those folks in and, and typically give them more opportunity and maybe even a more standardized way to deliver the services. So it makes them you know, better at their craft. So most of the time, folks are really excited. I always say people are, are scared of change, but but um, you know, I, I tell them at the, from the very beginning, you know, hey, look, guys, nobody's getting cut, and as much as people are scared of change, you're going to be calling me in you know 90 to 180 days and go, hey, what, you know, where's all the change that you were talking about? Because it is a very um, stepped process, and so once you get through that communication process, then we do what we call the near term. Uh, integration phase. And, and that near term is really just getting the back office accounting working, maybe centralized marketing, centralized purchasing, because those are things that typically a matrix business model would, would, would handle. So you'd want to try to centralize that as, as best you can. And, and keep in mind, when I say centralized, I don't necessarily mean, oh, it has to physically happen back at headquarters. I mean, from a management perspective, it has to be centralized because today, you know, where you sit doesn't really matter, especially, I mean, we're a technology company, so we better be able to work remotely because right. um, that's what we install most of the time is, is helping uh, clients figure out how they can utilize uh, their technology from a remote perspective and, and be connected at any time. Um, and then after you do that near-term uh, integration, and this is the hardest part for me as, a, as an executive, and, and most companies get this wrong that go through this process is, you have to operate for six months to 12 months and just understand truly what differentiates their business because the last thing you want to do is during integration, potentially take something out of what they do that suddenly devalues the service that they provide. I mean, we paid money for that, that service. We want to make sure that we keep that service being delivered in the fashion that, that made it valuable to, to the client base. So, man, we sit back, we try to take you know, a very critical eye and be patient and watch how people are operating and watch what each other are doing and how we might do it versus how they do it. And then the whole time we're documenting and making sure that we are, are um, evaluating those workflows. And we always say best idea wins. So if there's overlapping processes, we're looking for the best idea. You get to learn a lot during that process. And then then you build the plan to do the, the longer term integration and hopefully 12 to 18 months later, you're completely integrated. And, and at GI, we bought four companies in, in 11 months. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. So for us, we get to do four integrations at one time, which is actually an advantage <laughs> because it'll allow us to, to, you know, address this once as opposed to now we got to address a lot more, but you know, we address it once as opposed to addressing it four different times. So um, we're, we're off to the races, man. You know, this time I'd say in 2020, when I started, uh, in November, we had 43 employees. We've got over 200 now. Um, wow. and so in 14, 15 months, whatever that is, we, we've really grown the organization and, and it, it's, it, it's fun to see this kind of growth. And, and I've, like I said, I've, I've had the opportunity to do it in the past and do it before. So, you know, getting to do this again is, is, is I'm, I'm really fortunate to have that opportunity. 
That's great. So, uh, it, which is fun when we speak on this topic, just in light of your experience. So, if I heard the framework right in terms of spe- steps, you've got communication is kind of the first piece. Then you're moving into this kind of short term or near term. I think you were talking more about like the con- like almost a like consolidation of how do we think through. Right a process, tech stack, et cetera. And then it moves into uh, that next phase where it's kind of observations and understanding, yeah. you know, there's a reason why we acquired this company. And so let's right. let's understand what makes them truly unique and understand what that asset is. Uh, and then it's moving into that kind of final, not final, but that next phase where it's yeah. the iteration of, I think you said best idea wins where we're collaborating and we're almost like united in how we're going to market and, and working together. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, the thing that a lot of companies that go through this acquisition process, they make a mistake and, and kind of rubber stamping their, all of their processes and procedures over that organization. And sometimes it, it makes it, you know, it takes away the very thing that made that organization valuable. And it's just because they didn't take enough time um, to, to, you know, watch how the operation worked, listen, maybe, you know, definitely give feedback and ideas of maybe how to improve in certain areas. That's one of the things that I've loved about doing the four acquisitions that we've done. We've had the leaders from all of all four of those companies sit down and talk about their product and, and their services and how passionate they are and how they do their delivery. And it, you know, it creates this, this uh, think tank, if you will, of, hey, man, that's a really interesting idea. We've never thought about it that way. We're going to do that a little different in our model. And then eventually the models start to come together. And so it's not easy. I, I can't, you know, I, I said it really easily, <laughs> it came out of, but it's not easy to do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's very rewarding. It's very fulfilling because it, eventually you get everyone rowing the boat in the same direction. And it really does create a phenomenal experience because it, it creates a very valuable company, which is what, you know, private equity is, is investing in for the, in the first place. Yeah, it seems like there's a humility involved of we don't have all the answers um, and what that ultimately does is empowers other people to feel like they have a voice and to your point, they're rowing the same direction, they have a seat at the table uh, and they have a, they're able to impact and influence the, the trajectory of this combined entity. Um, because to your point earlier, it's like if you don't have that, you don't have the communication and you don't have the trust, um, then you're going to um, lose that from these people that you just acquired or the company that you just acquired. And, and so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, when does, so Dal, last, last question on this is when, when is that integration truly done? Or is that even a thing? Yeah, that's a good, I like the way you asked that question because uh, it's a thing and I think um, we recognize in some of the acquisitions that we did in my former employer is that you really kind of, you kind of have to define that because you could spin your wheels and think, Hey, we're still in this integration process. We're still in this integration process. So I, I said, Hey guys, let's define what we mean when we say integrated. And, and we came up with a definition and, and, you know, whether or not this is a correct definition or not, it was correct for us. And it, it and it resonates even today is when your procurement and the services that you deliver are being done with like processes and procedures, then you're integrated. And it doesn't, it shouldn't matter what location you're doing it from, what industry vertical you might be serving, you know, whether it's the East region or the West region, if you're delivering that service in the same manner across the board. And I say, I say generally speaking, because you can't, you know, not every nuance is going to be accounted for, um, then you're really integrated and you move into what we call the continual improvement 
process because you know if you can imagine we've got four different companies with four different tool sets with four different but we deliver a similar service and so what we have to do is make sure that the way that we deliver the service has value and can be standardized because when we do both of those things it it creates efficiencies of scale so when we add 10 clients maybe we don't need two people we only needed one and so while it's a growth story, it always has been a growth story, we just don't have to grow the labor base nearly as fast as we would if we wouldn't have had those standard procedures before. So that's kind of our barometer. And when we see that we're delivering services the same way, and again, it, we may be doing it with different tool sets, that's okay, because the service itself is the same, the way we procure you know, within our supply chain is the same. Once we do that, we're integrated, and then everything else goes into what we call our continual improvement initiative, and that's usually when we start addressing tool sets and, you know, does it make sense for us to, to standardize the tool sets that we're using? You know, should we all be on the same CRM platform? Should we all be on the same ticketing platform? My answer typically is yes to, that, to those two questions, but there may be a reason why a very specific vertical should use a different tool set. You just have to evaluate those and make those decisions based on the data, not emotion, because there is a lot of emotion that goes into that because the guy who... You know, the guy who's used the same CRM tool for the last seven years, he doesn't want to change, right? Yep. Um, but the, the question is, hey, how does that add value to our customer? And what can we do to, to really increase the efficiency of how we're delivering the service so that as we grow the organization, because we do, we find that the, the more momentum that we have through acquisition and organic growth, it just, it's exponential because our, our base of customers to, to grow within get continues to get larger. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of our definition and, and man, it's, it's great when we get to that continual improvement stage, because it does kind of change how we approach, um, the, 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 the whole process of growth. Yeah. I think and what you described earlier is that, look, you're not claiming this is easy, <laughs> but what yeah. this does do is it, it, it removes some of that friction, uh, that would cause MA activity to, to be unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, and by doing some of that, I would say intention, intentionality up front in terms of communication, listening, um, and having that humility to, to understand uh, probably allows you to be successful uh, or at least allows people to feel like they have, we talk about that voice, but also um, willing to, to change or willing to adopt new things. Um, so it's a credit to you. Uh, well, Donald, I, this has been really informative for me. Uh, I, I love hearing about frameworks. And I love hearing, and, and this is the first time we've really talked about, you know, we talk about scaling, how acquisition plays into that in terms of growth. Yeah. So it's, it was a really good topic for, for me and I'm sure for our audience. Um, how, how could our audience engage with you in a, as a practical next step? Um, so yeah, so, so best way to get in touch with me is, is via email. Uh, my email address is donm at geninf.com, genf.com. And, um, or you can just go to our website, geninf.com and fill out a, a contact form and say, hey, I saw uh, this podcast and I want to talk to Don. I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation and, and talk about, you know, management frameworks. I've, I've actually published two books, one of them, uh, specifically about frameworks. I've got two more, hopefully, that will be out before the end of the year. So um, if you want to check me out on Amazon.com, just search my name, Donald Monastery, you'll see the books. And um, if you're Kindle reader or you like Audible, they're in, they're in all formats. My last question is, do you, when do you sleep in light of all the things that you do? 
I grind 24 seven. <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, well, hey, thanks, thanks for stopping by. Uh, we really do appreciate your insight and uh, thank you for providing your email for those that want to reach out to you. Um, and I look forward to reading your books. All right, man, thank you, sounds good. See ya.